Welcome to the Hunter's Quest Podcast. This is your host, Hunter McWaters, and it's great to be with you guys as always, and it is great that I can finally say that it is hunting season. So I'm leaving my house in less than two weeks for my first hunt of the year. If you're listening to this, you might be heading out for a bear hunt, you might be heading up to Alaska, who knows, but basically the best time of the year is upon us, and um you know, even if you're not heading out this month, you know, September is very close, right around the corner, and I know a lot of you guys are going to be heading out in September, so we're just right around the corner from all this great stuff going down, so super excited. It's going to be a great year. Again, I hope you can follow along with everything I got going um, this year and in the coming months. Um, today, I have a great podcast for you with a friend of mine named Kate Small. So we talked about it a little bit in the episode, but um, Kate and her husband, Justin, have been around the industry for a long time. Um, it seems like from the beginning, I sort of started running into them at different events out at the Western Hunt Expo and uh, Total Archery Challenge events and stuff like that. It seems like I'd always just kind of be running into them. And so we kind of became friends and, um, you know, Kate and her husband are both excellent bear hunters, but they've kind of like developed this little like niche of wolf hunting and they've kind of compiled lots of uh, years and hours of experience of wolves and, and they've of hunting wolves, excuse me, and they've become really successful and kind of figured out how to hunt and to kill wolves, which is not by any stretch an easy accomplishment. So, um, Something that's pretty cool is they started what they call the Western Wolf Academy, which um, if you're listening, you can go and actually register for this event right now unless it's sold out, which it may be sold out. But um, this coming July, so a little uh, less than a year from now, they'll be having their second annual Western Wolf Academy, and they're going to teach you all about um, calling techniques, um, you know, finding wolves, a whole bunch of stuff that we get into a little bit on this episode, but um, you know, it's a great way to hone your skills as a hunter, to extend your hunting season. And the biggest thing is the wolf populations are out of control in Idaho and lots of places across the West. Um, the mule deer and the elk are really hurting because the wolves that were reintroduced are a larger sub subspecies of Canadian wolf and they're just wreaking havoc, havoc and they're way over objectives, population speaking. So we need to recruit more hunters to get out in the woods and to try to manage this population a little bit. So I am super on board with what they're doing. I think we need to get as many folks as we can in the woods and uh, and get people wolf hunting. So go check out the Western Wolf Academy. And uh, this episode is great. We have a great conversation. Um, I do got to say I had a little bit of audio issues in the beginning. Um, you know, So the audio quality is not great for the first like minute or two, but then it picks back up to the normal. Um, it's not bad. But uh, just so you know what's going on there, uh, we have a great conversation about that, about both of our bear seasons, um, and she tells me about a weird experience her and her husband had in the woods um, in the beginning. So 
Uh, we cover a lot of stuff. Uh, Kate is super fun to talk to, very edu- uh, very knowledgeable about these topics. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, if you haven't yet, please leave me a rating and a review. Please share the show. That is the best way you can help support uh, is to share the show. And um, also, you know, if you guys are watchers of the Sportsman channel, please check out the Hunter's Quest TV show, which the best time to catch it this year is Mondays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So that'd be 9.30 a.m. Mountain or Saturdays at noon, which would be 10 a.m. Mountain um, on the Sportsman channel. Um, other than that, if you could go, if you haven't yet, go over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would really appreciate it. And as always, if you leave me a written review on Apple, I will give you a shout out on the next show and I will send you some decals in the mail. So, um, you know, I'm just going to keep asking because, uh, like I said last time, you know, um, I work really hard to put out great content for you guys. Um, I'm trying to build my audience and I think it would be super helpful and really the least you could do if you could just follow me on Instagram, follow me, subscribe on YouTube. Share the show with friends and family and leave me a rating and review. I would super appreciate it. And, of course, if you have Sportsman Channel, don't forget to check out the show. Spent a lot of time working on that. Anyway, guys, that's it for now. I'm going to jump straight into this conversation with Kate Small, and I hope you guys enjoy it. See you on the next one. All right, guys, welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I'm here with my friend, Kate Small. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good, good, good. And uh, we were just talking about, I just decided to roll it because I thought it was kind of interesting, but we were talking about um, like hearing mice or weird noises at night and getting freaked out. And I was like, well, I'm not the only one because I felt like a huge baby. This year during spring bear, I heard like a mouse or something. And I was like convinced it was a werewolf, like trying to come and like eat me. And I looked at the night, we did a night lapse that night. And I, I actually went back and looked at the footage to see if there's anything like coming around, but it wasn't, it must've been like a mouse. Or maybe you just didn't catch the werewolf. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I always get creeped out. Like, so I'm glad I'm not the only one. So have you ever had anything like just freak you out at night when you're out there? Well, one time, I mean, always because I'm a chicken and I watch all the horror films. And so yes. I'm always convinced there's some axe murderer that's just lurking around <laughs> going to get me. But one time it was during spring bear and we had just found a lion kill and it was fresh, still dripping. Oh, geez. Uh, but that was where we were going to camp. So we just set up and we were kind of by a rock cliff and in the middle of the night you just heard the rock sliding and I just knew it was that lion, but I it just was. hid. I <laughs> <laughs> took cover and just figured my little teepee would save my life. Yeah. Well, it's, they do like mentally make you feel better, but they would not do anything of something to really want to get in there on you. No, it's true. I, I lived in Africa and during that time I went camping in the Serengeti and I was with this other girl, and I remember her waking me up in the middle of the night going, Kate, Kate. And it, do you remember that scene from Jurassic Park where they're in the tent and the T-Rex sticks his head in and they're just like laying yes. there staring at each other? It was exactly <laughs> like that, except with hyenas. And they no were way. in our tent. And so 
now I'm always very skittish. So you woke up with hyenas. Sorry, I'm tr- like I'm trying to fix my audio here, but I got it. So you literally woke up with hyenas sticking their face into your tent. They were circling, and you could see the just the shadows and outlines. Oh my gosh! They were, they were searching for ways in, which really they could have just ran through our tent. But luckily, that did not happen. Yeah. And we didn't have guns with us because it was just not a hunting deal oh you had no guns that's even worse no yeah i don't i don't even think you can hunt in the serengeti i'm not sure yeah africa's weird like i went there on a missions trip uh to uganda and um yeah like we drove through the country and this just speaks to like why the north american model of conservation works because we drove for like literally like six hours through the countryside and i didn't see a single animal of any kind like i was like you know scanning every field like ever the mountainsides like you know when you're in america or whatever you you see deer and you see stuff i didn't see anything the entire time and it's because like literally for generations anything that moved the people ate i mean i don't i don't blame them for it because they're you know they're struggling and poor trying to feed their family but um yeah wildlife like only exists in places where they are hunted yeah exactly it's crazy um so we're anyway we're kind of jumping in but it's okay but um what were you doing in africa i was just i was working over there volunteering as a nurse and so in tanzania and i lived in arusha for part of the time and um worked in the er and then i moved with the maasai tribe in the middle of nowhere we were like eight hours from any civilization and I lived with them and they're like dung huts, no electricity, no running water for a while, like two months or so. Wow. Okay. All right. So two questions. Yes. Going to get weird right off the bat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First thing is going back to like the scary stuff at night. Idaho is like crazy Bigfoot country. Yes. Have you ever seen anything weird when you've been hunting? So I haven't seen anything or heard or anything and well okay so i haven't seen anything but we we have this joke justin and i between us and anything that weird that happens we just are like uh probably nothing and we just keep going on because if you think (laughs) about it you're running (laughs) so we were what was it it was archery elk and we were just walking i think we were heading back to camp it was in the evening and it was a little chilly and all of a sudden, he was a little bit in front of me. We walked through just like this wave of heat. Like it just Whoa. hit us. And I know he felt it because he kind of stopped. And all of the hairs on the back of my neck went up. And he turned around and just said, and we like, it was like this sweet smell just was kind of right mm. there. And I know his alarm bells were going off because he turned around and just said, we got to go. And we just, it, it was like that fight or flight, like, you got to get out of here now. Oh, no way. Like, and he felt just, it so much that he was like, we got to get out of here. Yeah, it was wild. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was us just being huge babies. But it was weird that we both felt it, both smelled it, and both had that sense, like, you got to get out of here. So you were walking along, drastic temperature change. It was much warmer, and you smelled a, like a, like a like sweet, like... It was uh, like a sweet, like musty oh weird it was weird and you both just felt something was off yeah and so that was my i'm like okay probably (laughs) big right (laughs) hey i don't know man 
Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've been looking into this stuff more and more lately. And like, I don't know, the more I look into it, it's just, there's, I feel like there's weird stuff out there. Not to mention you got, I don't know if you saw anything, but like last week there's congressional hearings with this whistleblower. Did you see that stuff about the no. uh, UAPs? Did you see that? Really? Yeah, there's um this guy called David Grush. I didn't. And yeah, he's part of the he's a former part of the uh, intelligence community and it was him and then two Air Force pilots, you know, um under oath speaking to Congress um about you know, saying that they have crashed UFO crafts in their possession, the government does. Bodies of beings um and talking about all the different uaps they've seen while flying different missions wild stuff that's wild and terrifying but you have to think like why wouldn't there be something else right yeah Yeah, i've always (laughs) felt like there was too like it's it's not that i mean it's it's crazy to me that like it's starting to be like in the mainstream not like just oh you're weird if you believe in aliens but um to me personally, like I've always felt like there was probably something else out there, yeah, you know. The universe is just so vast. Like we can't, we're not the smartest breed, obviously. <laughs> at least some of us out there. Yeah, <laughs> probably. You would not. think there's more going on, but it's it's crazy to think about and that they're actually admitting things now. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't go too far into that. But last question about stuff: Did you ever see? Because I saw some weird. Um, we were there on a ministry trip, so we were, we actually were doing a conference on healing and deliverance. Um, and we saw some crazy, like spiritual stuff. Did you see anything weird in Africa while you were over there? No, I didn't. We went to a witch doctor and that was Mm. just really interesting, but I didn't see any, anything wild. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, um. There's some interesting stuff that goes on over there too. Um, we we had a, a demon possessed girl, um, who we were casting the demons out of her, and I mean it. Th- this was a 13 year old girl, and there was like six grown men holding her down, and they couldn't. And then um, we were giving it commands like you know like stop shaking her, stop because she was like freaking out, like arching and stuff and trying to bite me and like growling. But when we gave the commands in English, she would stop and like do what we said, like put your arm down and like she would put her arm down. And then after the whole thing transpired, um, she didn't speak a word of English, but she was doing specific commands that we gave her in English. Uh, it was. That's terrifying. And I, I like love hearing about that stuff. I'm interested how, prolific it is over there because I know working in the ER when we'd have seizures come in none of the locals would touch the patient because they thought they were possessed Mm -hmm. and it's it like I'd find people on the sidewalk and people that had had a seizure and passed out and people just stick stared clear so I'm interested to see yeah or would be interested to know like how common possession is yeah. over there they see it frequently and they're everything now is just like oh that's what it's got to be 
Yeah, I think you know it's not everything. I think there are like actual like epileptic seizures. Not like every seizure is demonic or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because we saw a kid too that was having a seizure, and I actually like. I think he was just having like a medical seizure. Um, but this one specifically was not. Yeah. Um, that sounds, that's no seizure when they're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> and then like after it, yeah. And she tried to bite me and stuff. And then like, but after the, you know, after it was done and we cast it out, she was totally fine, normal, like mild mannered, nice little girl. I, Cause she was there at the conference all week. So I, you know, I kind of kept an eye on her and um, there was another, um, there was another girl young girl had a baby and she came up and she was asking for money and you can't really just give money to people because then everybody just comes up and asks for money and it's just kind of a weird dynamic but it, like the, the actual locals were telling us like don't don't give her money like it's better to not um but anyway but we said we don't have money but we'll, we'll pray for you and stuff and uh so we we put our hands on her and start and like as we were praying i looked down and immediately i just see she's urinating her like right there. Like, I don't even, I didn't understand at the time, but I think, I think that that was some sort of weird, uh, spiritual like attack on her or something. It was very strange. That's bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Crazy way to start this conversation, but um... <laughs> welcome to the hunting podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now people that, my diehard listeners, I don't know what they think right now, but um, I have been kind of delving into some different topics lately. So just, uh, you know, you got to branch out sometimes, I feel like. And Absolutely. It's it's my podcast, so I feel like if I want to talk about aliens and Bigfoot every now and then, why not? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but um, if you guys are still listening after all that, um, <laughs> I'm talking to my friend Kate Small who um it's kind of funny like i've sort of seen you and justin around at different events and stuff like since i've kind of been at this which is about two or three years now but i've seen you at tack i saw you at expo a couple times and so um i don't have a ton of like really close close friends in the you know quote unquote in the industry or like in the western hunting world because i live on the east coast and i only you know can make it out so often but I feel like you're one of the folks that I've like interacted with several times. And I'd I'd call yeah, you a friend. Yeah, we collide. We're just always yeah. in the same spot. <laughs> yeah, I remember like I think it was last year or something at Attack. Like I was trying to leave and it started raining, and I looked over and you and Justin were standing right there. I was like, oh, hey, and we just kind of started talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you guys have so you're from Oregon, correct? Yes. Yes. Originally from Southern Oregon. And, and I've said this a million times, but like. There's so many crazy, like, bad A hunters from Oregon. It's wild. It's, yeah, I think you have to, <laughs> maybe Oregon breeds hunters because you have so much pressure, not a lot of animals, a lot of regulations, <laughs> and a ton of predators that you can't hunt. So <laughs> yeah. you have to just, like, climb your way <laughs> to be yeah. a predator. And like crazy woke opposition in the urban areas. Yeah, it's wild. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad I don't live here anymore. So yeah. are you? Are you guys? Did you grow up? What did you grow up like in a city or what? Um, no, I'm from Klamath Falls, so it's just a town. It wasn't. It wasn't like the not a tiny town like I live in now, but it probably had twenty thousand people in it growing up. 
Okay. And we were, there was just nothing around us. So it made it feel a little isolated, which was nice. Okay. <laughs> and you guys live in Salmon now, right? Yes. We live in Salmon, which is about 3,000 people, um, which it, we love. Just absolutely yeah. love it. And moved there to be closer to public land. And so okay. it, was, it was a strategic move. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was out there uh, this spring. Um, there was this really good, like, burger spot that me and Luke ate at, like, five times. In Salmon? Yeah. Was it Savage Grill? Yes. Yeah. Savage Grill. Oh. Oh. And their so milkshakes. Good. Tell me you got a milkshake. I didn't get a milkshake. Okay. Well, next time. <laughs> that place is so good. Like, they have amazing burgers and sweet potato fries. And, like, we ate there at least, I think, for three or four times. It's good. But I want to hear about your bear hunt. Okay. Good segue. I want to hear about yours, too. Um, yeah, you're kind of – I lost you. You kind of broke up for a second. You there? Uh-oh, she froze. Let's see if we can get her back. Sorry, I was in now. What? <laughs> oh, there you are. There. Can oh. you hear me? Oh, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you froze up for a second. That's okay. Um. So, yeah, I, I want to hear about your bear season as well. Um. That was... Okay what I want to start off with, but, um, I'll tell you a little bit about mine. Mine was, um, rough. <laughs> yeah. It was a um, rough year. I, yeah, I heard that from several people and I want to get you to weigh in on that, but I'll just give you briefly what happened. So, um, of course, you know, my season quote unquote, it's just, you know, a week or 10 days that I'm out there, yeah. but we, we were in the salmon area. Uh, I already kind of divulged that, but, um, we went to a spot that I actually e-scouted myself and, um, just the terrain looked really good based on what I learned last bear season, hunting with some better hunters than me and kind of just applied that to this area. Um, great looking area. And, um, but we went in and we were like, you know, it was really green but we we were like at like four thousand elevation range, and it it we were like you know way below the snow line. Yeah, I feel like it would have been like a really good spot like in April, but we were in like mid May, and um, but anyway, it looked really good. We went in there and we did actually see. I think it was like the second day, we saw you know one sow and cub pretty far away, um. But we actually made, in retrospect, which was a poor decision, and left the area to try to find somewhere closer to the snow line. Um, and, you know, if people want to listen, me and Luke did a whole full in-depth recap a couple episodes back. So uh, I won't go too into detail. But um, basically, we left a spot where we saw bears. You know, they weren't legal, but we saw bears. Yeah. And, and went to somewhere that was kind of more of an unknown. It was an area Luke had hunted before. 
And we got there, and of course the river, or you know the stream he crossed the previous year in like ankle deep water was like, like a, a raging river. torrent. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually attempted to cross it in my pack raft, and um, I did. So the landing was about ten feet wide, where the trail was on the other side, and then it was just thick willows, uh-huh. like impenetrable, and I just drastically underestimated the strength of the current and just hit that thing and went and just got like flushed and um had to like you know go up to the will it was pretty sketch so and then i could see luke was like kind of like and i was like if you don't want to do it man it's it's all good he's like i don't think it's worth it man so so i had to go back across again but um then we left and then i don't know after that it was like we were just kind of rebounding from that probably yeah. that first mistake the whole time you're just bouncing around different spots and we kept hitting road closures or you know flooded streams or we would hit spots where um it seemed like it was either like 80 degrees and like summer or it was waist thigh deep snow like post holing through snow and so we had a really you know really tough time finding anywhere we finally got into like a decent looking area towards the end of the trip but those are the only two bears we saw the whole time. So we just we hit like just tons of challenges and it was uh I definitely learned a lot, but it was one of the toughest hunts mentally I've probably ever done, just hanging in there. But Yeah, it's it was a really weird year in the sense we had a ton of snow. It was cold forever and then all of a sudden it got hot. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't any segue into spring summer. It was just winter summer. Yeah. And that's what we faced. We had so much snow. Usually we set out a bait for friends and family. Um, and we didn't, set, it's the first year we haven't set one because we couldn't get to where we normally set mm-hmm. it. It was just the snow level was insane. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't even think we were going to get into our normal hunting spot this year because of the snow. Um, but we ended up making it. And it was, yeah, like a weird, it was just weird. And the bears, I think they were confused by the weather pattern. And yeah. so I think they started, um, the boars started chasing the sows pretty early this year. Mm. Um, so, cause normally I love spring bear, you know, you can pick up a bear, same spot every day. Yeah. Um, but this year they were moving, mm. uh, as I like to hunt mid mid to late May, usually okay. May. And um yeah, they were cruising this year. So it was interesting. We went, it was me, Justin, and um our friend from Texas who had never um hunted bear before. And so we all went out for a five day hunt. Um and our buddy Connor from Texas, he was first shooter and it took a couple days to find, well, no, that's like, we had found a bear that Justin has history with in one of these canyons mm-hmm. and he lines up for the shot, which was, I think it was like 780, which is not like, that's a normal shot for us. Um, and Justin never has any issues. He shoots at this thing and I'm watching like you're high. He shoots again, like high. And he's just missing this thing like huh. clean by a foot shoots again high shoots again high and bear's gone and he oh. was devastated and 
he w- we, Connor was going to be first shooter, but Justin had had this thing for years with this bear where it would he'd be ready to shoot and it would disappear. And, uh, it continues. Know, it, yeah, it continues. And so <laughs> obviously he's bummed. That never feels good. Um, and what had happened was Justin and I had gone in a day early to kind of scout and make sure we could get in there before our buddy from Texas came and we wasted one of his days. And while we're walking in, I see elk up on a ridge across the canyon and there, I like their behavior was weird. And I turn around to Justin to say, Hey, they're looking a little spooky. And right when I say that I catch one sprinting down the hill and there's a wolf. Oh, no way. Sprinting right after it. And so they disappear into the canyon. And of course our hunt immediately turns to a wolf hunt. And, (laughs) um, we wait a little bit. We hear him howling down in the canyon. And so we only had one stupidly one rifle with us. So I was going to sit back to glass while Justin snuck down to see if he could sneak in on him. We, the wind wasn't great, but we didn't have a lot of time left. Well, Justin's hiking down and falls and just nail lands like on the gun, Uh, but we didn't think anything of it. And (laughs) so then when the, I think it was two days later, he had that shot. And we brought it back and checked it. And man, that thing was off. Oh, man. So when you shoot at a longer distance, it's way off. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so luckily, when we had our friend from Texas, we had a backup rifle. And after Justin missed, we decided we probably blew that canyon out and to go hike up in a different um, basin. And then we spotted a bear on our hike in the camp and it was um a younger bear but our buddy had already said i'm gonna take anything you know which for me it's a predator yeah i mean that bear is gonna still go after fawns it's gonna grow up and first bear i mean come on yeah i was like heck yeah i'd take anything too yeah and um so he took it it was a gorgeous um black bear which where we hunt, I swear, I struggle to find true black bears. They're always well, color-based, so he was pretty excited, so that was cool. And then set up camp, started glassing the first night in this new area and saw a ton of bears. And so the next day we made our way on this hellacious hike, um, like side-hilling through the avalanche chutes, with, mm. and I hate that, with the snow and, you know, yeah. one wrong step and you're a goner um and and we got over there and a bear popped out and justin was next in line to shoot because i was just going to be last shooter and he was like i don't know and i was like well we came all the way over here i know another bear is going to pop out if you're going to pass i'm going to shoot this thing and so he passes i shoot bear goes down i think it was like 618 Okay. yards across the canyon and so we were just sitting there for, waiting for another bear to pop out because we had spotted a pretty mature boar well another bear pops out it's getting late justin's like i'm gonna take it so he shoots hits it have it on film it's it's a dead bear for sure we hike i think it was 12 or 1400 um feet of elevation down mm. cross the creek hike back up the other side find my bear 
um, Connor and Justin leave me to skin it and process it while they go look for Justin's bear. And unfortunately, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've ever looked for bears, but they live in thick stuff a lot of times. And they found a bunch of blood. They gritted the area and they could not find Justin's bear. Oh, they were catching scent and smelling it. And there were so many bears in that area that finding the exact tracks were so difficult. Yeah. Um, and they, it probably was, you know, 30 yards in a bush that somebody didn't crawl under. And so yeah. that Justin had a rough time and uh, you know, that just kills you when you, yeah, you the worst. dead, at least I know it was dead. It probably likely wasn't wounded, but it's just so hard as a hunter to one miss an animal to not recover one. Mm -hmm. And so he was a bit heartbroken um, but yeah, then we packed up and <laughs> hiked on out of there, which was not ideal. And a storm was rolling in and then we spent the night and that was the end of our hunt, but we almost filled three tags in five days. And then, that's... but I was, our goal was just as long as Connor got one. Yeah, no, that's and awesome. So it was, you guys need to take me hunting. I know we should plan <laughs> that for next spring. That would be I'd awesome. Be down. Yeah, that would be I, way fun because I love taking people to get. Yeah, and I There's definitely have a lot to learn. Like this, a, this humble this season humbled me, man. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, uh, well, I had a really good fall. Every single hunt I did, we killed one or more animals, and um, that's awesome. Yeah, we got totally blessed, and um, and I don't know. I was just, I was just uh. A little maybe a little overconfident or I mean it's good to have confidence yeah but, um and I think also last year when I went with like Mark and those guys we saw a lot of bears um like I even passed bears which is I wish I hadn't now but <laughs> like, Damn. I know but uh yeah I don't know I just I just uh, underestimated it. And like you said, it was a weird year, but... Um... It was a weird year. And I mean, everybody has those hunts. Like, mm -hmm. that was your hunt to be unsuccessful. Justin, I can't remember the last time he's had an unsuccessful hunt. And it was just, sometimes it goes that way. And yep. I think, it, yeah, it's humbling. And it's good to, like, bring you back down. Like, oh, this isn't that easy. Like, you you know, things, yeah. there's a lot that can go wrong. And it's always good to remember that. And Absolutely. Just, feel like so blessed for what you when you are successful yeah totally um yeah you can't be successful every time for sure um but anyway um I, you said a couple things i wanted to ask you more about um so one thing was i know the west had crazy amounts of snow this last year um do you think that the bears stayed denned up later this year i do I mean they'll come out in the snow for sure, but they'll come out briefly and then go back in, you know, as opposed because there's nothing for them to eat. Mm. There's no vegetation when it's all covered in snow. So I think they stay denned up, you know, they're looking and they're hoping, but yeah. they don't want to trek to find food when they've just been in hibernation for months. Right. They don't have the energy. Yeah. Cause man, we looked high, we looked low. We... We didn't see one boar the whole time. Um, now, we did, in retrospect, spend a little too much time 
you know, being indecisive and bouncing around different spots. But even when we were doing that, we were like, you know, stopping yeah. to glass mountainsides and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just, um, it was weird. It just seemed like, like I said, it was either summer or like completely winter everywhere we were looking and we got into some really good looking stuff, but just never, never found anything. So, and then you were saying that, um, you felt like they started rutting earlier than the normal. Huh? Yeah. I feel like maybe they thought they'd end up too long maybe. And they're <laughs> like, Oh, we're late. But yeah. it was, to me, I saw more like rut action for them earlier than I normally do. Okay. Interesting. Um, and yeah. so as far as timing, like, um, again, I'm operating off a very limited experience, but, um, the guys I kind of learned some stuff from, they kind of instilled in me, um, that like that, like mid, even mid to like late April is really good because like, like we kind of alluded to earlier, they're just starting to come out of the den. They're very much more patternable. Like they're going to kind of stick in an area and not be traveling a whole lot. Um, but this year, just because of schedules with my um, my partner, ended up going in mid-May. And I was kind of worried that was going to be too late. Now, I think it was actually fine because of the way the winter was this year. But um, you mentioned you like mid-May. Yeah. What's, wh- what is it about that time frame that you like? Or Well, yeah. for me, where I hunt, I can't get in really too much before mm. that. Mm-hmm. And so the snow level is just way too high. Yeah. And so I, I like mid-May because that's where I hunt is where the snow is starting to mm-hmm. disappear and the green, it's getting green. Yeah. And so it gives you a better idea of where to look for the bears when you have all the, the green yeah. vegetation popping up. Are you guys hunting kind of the, like that 7K kind of elevation range in there? We, we do. We kind of, it just depends because I've seen bears really low, but I find the big mid- sure boars like between that six and eight mark mm. is where i've been mm-hmm. yeah yeah like i said i think that first spot we went into was really good you know it was really green there was water in the bottom there was tons of rocks and nasty steep stuff and, and lots of grass and um but it was just uh i think it was just a little bit low it's like i said it was like four thousand and um there was no water up high like they would have had to go all the way down to the bottom to get water. So I don't know. Might be worth going back to that spot though in mid late April. I don't know. Yeah. If you can get into it, I definitely would. And then, yeah, I've been hunted. I like, when was it? I think it was the year before last. We picked a new area to go try. We had mm-hmm. tagged out, but we had a buddy with us and it looked perfect like there's if you had asked me i was like oh we're a hundred percent gonna see a bear we were there for like three days and didn't see a single bear it was weird and i don't know i don't know it's an area where grizzlies are so i don't know if there's like Mm. their black bears are scarce around grizzly territory i don't know that much about it um the grizzly black bear conflict but i don't i it was interesting because the terrain, the water, the elevation. I was like, oh, there's no way we're not going to yeah. see. That's how I felt. I was like, oh, there." I, I was, I kept looking at Onyx, like, like trying to disprove my East guy. Like this is not, you know, I was trying to like find a different spot. Every time I looked at it, I'm like, there's a hundred percent going to be bears in there. 
And, uh, I mean, it was the only spot we saw a bear the entire week, so I was kind of not wrong. But yeah. I think we just bailed on it too soon. We were only there, like, we got there, we hiked it in the morning and glass afternoon, and we found elk right away and some deer, and then didn't see any bears. The next day, we spent the whole day, saw that one sound cub, and then we decided to, like, the next morning we dip. I think we just dipped too early, like, or we should have just maybe moved deeper in in that yeah. spot or something. And bears, I mean, they're, you know, bigger animals and you think you'll see one, but I've glassed the same spot for like nine hours and not seen anything. And then all of a sudden a bear steps out from behind. Yeah. And so there, they just, they disappear because when you're glassing across a canyon, that bush is what you think is like a foot tall is like eight feet. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't see them. Yeah. So I, I definitely definitely uh, underestimated it but i don't know maybe maybe next year and come out you guys can teach me a thing or two yeah that'd but be fun we'll see but um well cool um so, oh i want to ask you too about um so you like do you think like to you are jet black bears like cooler like would you rather kill a jet black i've killed i've only killed one jet black so i think they're super cool because i have a bunch of chocolate, some, you know, cinnamon ones. But I think I what I'd want most is a blonde. I haven't gotten a blonde bear yet. And yeah. so that's number So one. I don't know if you if you saw it, but I was filming for Mark Livesey last year and he shot a blonde one. I got to watch the whole thing go down, which was really cool. See, I'm jelly. It was like golden. Like I can't even it was a really cool color. But um um what was i gonna say oh yeah i was just gonna say like out here so we have bears in virginia and um, eastern north carolina but they're like almost exclusively jet blacks so for me like i really want to kill like a, a cinnamon or a chocolate or something you know yeah no i don't blame you well yeah come to idaho because you'll you'll find one <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah i'll have to try again but um so anyway moving on from that i know we did a podcast, like a mini kind of podcast at the expo this year um, and talked a lot about wolves, but I do want to kind of revisit that just because Absolutely. you're kind of the wolf My lady. favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, you're the wolf lady. <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, so sorry, it was really good. I want to figure out what it was I was going to say. You're fine. No. It's not there. Um, so wolves. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, are you guys gonna be at the expo again this year? Yes, yes, we will be. So, okay. yeah. Are you yeah. Are you going? Yeah. So I'm going to. You know, I got to be efficient with my travel here. So uh, this is actually cool. I'm gonna fly out to Texas and do a free range audad hunt for three days, no and then way. drive to Salt Lake right after for the expo. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. It's a good trip. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um. I got a couple like really cool like little road trips. So I drew side note and um I my goal this year was to kill my first elk and um cuz I haven't killed elk yet. I've been on elk hunts filming but I've never killed one. And so um I'm like, yeah, I want to kill an elk this year. So I put in I got my Montana General elk tag, which yeah, is awesome. Yeah. But um somehow I just like I was applying for, you know, like sheep and Barbary sheep and, um, you know, cool stuff like that in New Mexico. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I got to gotta throw in a 
elk, you know, application. Why not? Right. And all the other ones I did through my friend, um, at Blackhorn guide service, you know, cause you get better draw odds if you go through a, a guide or an outfitter down there. Um, but for whatever reason I, or cause he said he couldn't do elk with me this year. So, but I was like, I can't not. So I just threw in, I was just like randomly like, what are some good tags? And just, th- I drew this like amazing New Mexico muzzleloader elk tag. Did you really? Yeah. So like my first ever <laughs> elk hunt is going to be like a premium New Mexico unit. Oh my gosh. Tag. Yeah. What, se- what <laughs> time of year is that? What season? It's mid-October. Oh, so, that's going to be so cool. Yeah. So it'll be a little bit post-rut obviously, but I think from the guys I've been talking to, it'll still be, um, still be some bugling going on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I was saying that because I'm going to immediately, the, the season goes to the f- 18th and then immediately driving straight up to Montana to hunt for like five, six days there and try to try to find a bull there too. So it'll be a cool road trip too. That's going to be, you've got one heck of a season coming up. I have an amazing season. Yeah. I'm leaving for Alaska in three weeks. What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you, what are you doing there? Oh uh, man. Um, so I apologize to the listeners if you guys have heard me say this a billion times, but um, we are going to the North Slope and we're um, jumping on an airboat and they're going to take us between 30 and 60 miles up the Ivashack River and drop us off and we're going to hunt and then we're going to pack raft float out. What are you hunting? Oh, caribou. <gasps> Fun. Rifle yeah. or boat? A rifle, yeah. Sweet. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be so cool. Are you excited? Oh, I'm so stoked. My first trip ever, uh, my first backcountry trip ever, which is kind of weird, but was in Alaska. And it was a walk-in, like, DIY caribou hunt. And we didn't kill anything. Um, So this would be kind of like redemption. And caribou is, like, getting harder and harder to to hunt. There's That's what I hear. I've never been there, so I need to get over there before it's Yeah. Um, well, so if you want to, if you just want to hunt Alaska, um, like sooner rather than later, you might look into Kodiak, uh, blacktail. It's a super fun hunt. Um, pretty easy to get tags and, and book that trip. Um, really fun. And then, but like most caribou, like you're talking about waiting two, three years to book. Like everyone's booked like years out. So yeah, I would do. I would start making plans now if you want to. Um, but how I linked this up was, I called the guy and he's like, "Yeah, you know, we're booked till twenty five or whatever." And I was like, "Well, because normally they drop people off and pick them up and do drop camp." Yeah. And I was like, "What if you took me up on an off day, and you don't have to pick me up? I'll just float out." He's like, "Hmm, let me talk to my partner." And they're like, "Yeah, we can do it." Sweet. <laughs> so I had to talk him into a little bit, but um. But yeah, so anyway, back to wolves. And I do have a wolf tag for oh. that, so good segue. Yes, um, <laughs> always have a wolf tag. Yeah. Well, so a wolf tag in Alaska? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, because I feel like they're just less educated up there, too. Yeah. And so that's- They're so story. smart. I don't know how you guys do it. So let's jump into this. Like, you guys <laughs> have, like, consistent, you know, success killing wolves- and they're so smart. They're so elusive. You know, I was hunting this fall in Idaho. We had wolf tracks like literally 50 yards from our tent, but we never saw them, never heard them, you know, nothing. Like, um, first of all, talk to me about 
like let's hammer home why people need to be killing wolves and then let's try to get people excited about killing wolves then tell me how you do it (laughs) yeah so um why you should be killing wolves wolves were introduced or reintroduced however you want to slice it um to idaho in 1995 by u.s fish and wildlife services uh during what was their reasoning for that do you know honestly no i they i think their reasoning were they're bringing back the wolf the wolf population but what i hear from idaho natives is we already had a wolf it was just a smaller right a smaller subspecies right yeah and what happened when they brought in these canadian gray wolves is they wiped out the idaho wolf oh and so you we don't have that wolf anymore um and they brought them back with a, the goal in mind. So they mapped out um, called something, an area called the Northern Rocky Mountain Population Segment. So that's Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, the eastern third of Oregon and Washington, and then a small portion of Utah. And in this area, when they introduced wolves, they wanted the goal to be 300 wolves in this whole area. Um, well... Flash forward, the latest count in Idaho was 1,337. Oh, my gosh. So what they, and with the maximum carrying capacity in that entire area being 1,500, meaning if the wolf population exceeded 1,500, there'd be a lot of livestock conflict, and then the ungulate population would start to deteriorate. Well, I think this is our lowest wolf count for in the last couple of years, because it has always been over 1,500 um, in the last few years. So they're down to 1,337 was the latest count. Whether that's accurate or not remains to be seen because they don't count the Selway. They don't count the Frank Church Wilderness. And they're basically just using, they don't do aerial counts. They're using collars and they're using a game camera system but it's based off a grid. So they're not going to areas saying, okay, we know there's packs here. Let's put game cams up and we'll get on these wolves. They're going off a computer grid system. So these cameras will be wherever the grid tells you, whether that's the tip top peak of a rocky mountain where wolf's never going to be. Right. And so, yeah, it's, I don't know why they do it that way i know i i understand the wilderness areas would be extremely difficult to count but you can't yeah. really come out with a population number if you're not so was, to be accurate. when they introduced these things was it oh, there's so many questions going through my head because i mean anytime anytime man tries to like fix something by introducing some sort of it never works and i feel like in idaho there's so many ranchers and hunters like was it a big like deal like did people get really worried and mad about it back then or did they kind of sneak it in or like what um, I I wasn't in Idaho at the time and I was like five but um <laughs> at the time I've heard from people that were involved that people were up in arms of course you're yeah. always gonna have the anti-hunters or wolf lovers and that want the wolves back and that being said 
I don't want all the wolves gone. You know, I don't, I respect the heck out of wolves. They're amazing animals, but they do need to be managed because otherwise we lose all of our other animals. And then eventually we lose the wolves completely because they don't have a food source. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, an ungulate where it's a highly sought after species in terms of hunting and, I'm not saying it's easy to kill ungulates, but relatively, like you can just increase the tag numbers and you can see pretty much probably a pretty direct correlation. Whereas like wolves are hard to kill. Like you can't just like get rid of them. Like once they're there, like it's not easy to kill those things. And I think they're realizing or they have realized now that their reintroduction was way too successful. And so, and left unmanaged wolves grow 40% annually. And so they're not like your other predators where a bear will have cubs every other year and, you know, one to two, sometimes three, four on rare occasion. Wolves have pups every single year. Um, They will tell you that they're, there's just the breeding pair. That's not true. They're dogs. If the males smell a female heat, they're going to get some, he's going to get some. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so they're breeding more than one female in the pack. Um, Their litter sizes, I think they say on average are, you know, around six. And well, I've seen plenty that are more than that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, there is a buddy in Washington who came across I think it was 13 pups in one litter. And so, you know, they're just. Prolific. Yeah, they're just prolific. And so um, that's why wolves are so important to me when it comes to predator management. And I want my kids to be able to grow up and hunt deer and elk. Yeah. And if the wolves keep doing what they're doing, that's just not going to happen. I've talked to like multiple. I have the luxury of ignorance of not knowing what it used to be like but i've talked to like you know guys like Corey jacobson and other dudes that have been in the game for a long time and just um saying how just dramatic the reduction in deer and elk is in some of these areas like you go into a basin here like 20 bulls screaming and now it's like you can maybe find one in there maybe well and it's changed the game for hunting right so the ungulates had to adapt now bulls don't bugle because mm. they know if they bugle Gives away their spot. it's a dinner bell for the wolves so wow that's not so i think hunters have had to learn to adapt quite a bit too hunting elk yeah so. um okay so wolves are a huge problem and you guys have decided to do your part to not only kill some wolves, but try to start teaching people how to kill wolves. And like, yeah, like, how do you, how are you guys going about that? And like, how do we continue that to like encourage new hunters to get out there and, 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 and get into it? Yeah. So we're wolf hunting is kind of, it's a cool thing for people, right? For us, we, so you'll get a lot of like, out-of-state hunters like oh I want to kill a wolf it's just like coyote hunting well it's not I wish it were um but it's not but for us we do it with a reason to save our ungulate population and so it's very important to us um and so we're talking with Tom Snyder from Stuck in the Rut he's a wolf killer and a friend of ours and we there's no education out on the internet to hunt wolves you know you can go find how to hunt elk how to hunt muleys how to hunt yep. white tail. 
but there's not much out there on how to hunt wolves. So for all of us, for me, Justin, Tom, and our other friends that are good wolf hunters and trappers, it was uh, learning by failure. And, mm-hmm. and all the, it took years of experience and failure and time and days out on the mountain to start getting consistent and good at it. And in talking, we learned from each other. So we learned from Tom's failures and he learned from ours and mm-hmm. same with Luke Sterling. Um, he's a good friend of ours and we all kind of learned from each other, which was really neat. Um, but talking with Tom, uh, he was having some of the same issues we were, where people were coming in because it's cool to hunt wolves, but they were just educating them, which yeah. makes it way harder for us to make a dent in them and actually hunt them. And then, so we decided, Hey, well, we're, cause it's, I don't know, for me, wolves, like I get excited to see anyone put down a big bull or whatever, but you're always mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, like <laughs> that's cool. I need to get something like that for me. When I see somebody else get a wolf, I'm so jacked for that. Yes. It's kill like, him. Yes. I get him. And, <laughs> and so people will say, well, if wolves are such a problem, why won't you tell me where you hunt so I can go hunt that pack? And it's because I don't want people to educate the pack I'm on. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. because once, usually a lot of times, if you miss, you're not going to get another opportunity. Mm. And we, I'd say it's an average of like 40 to 50 days out in the mountain before you can hunt, successfully harvest a wolf. Wow. And that number is getting smaller and smaller, you know, the more we learn and the more sure. we understand what their howls mean and their behaviors and patterns. Um, but so Tom and Justin and I decided we were going to create a wolf camp. Yes. Um, so it's called the, the Western, Western Go ahead. Yeah, the Western Wolf Academy. Nice. And it's put on by Tom. This is your first year doing it, right? Yeah, it was our first Sick. year. And it was so much fun. I, I was, you know, I, know, I saw the year. stuff on Instagram. I was like, oh man, I wish I was there. <laughs> I know it was a blast. The first year you're like, I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't know if they're going to get a lot from this. And you're always a little nervous. It went so well and we got a ton of great feedback and people just loved it. So we are going to do it again next year. Um, We're going to open up registration. I think this coming Monday, Um, we like to keep it fairly small. So people get that intimate one-on-one time with all the questions they have. Um, so I think we'll probably do about 20 to 30 people this year. Um, and so it's on, we're doing it again at the Longhorn guest ranch, which is in Cascade, Idaho. It's a 214 private acre ranch. Mm. Um, all meals are included. The ranch cooks all the meals. You get to stay in cabins, um, these rustic cabins, and they have a couple of glamping tents. And then this year we might allow some people to just bring their own tents or trailers and camp if there's enough more enough demand because we kind of cut it off last year. Yeah, yeah. So we decided, you know, if people want to come, we should. Yeah, and so you guys are teaching folks how to effectively hunt wolves without educating them. Yes, because and granted, you know, we all make mistakes. Sure. I make mistakes. Justin's making mistakes. Tom is too. But if you can 
limit and diminish that um, education portion, you're going to make it better for the hunters and trappers that actually live in Idaho. And you're going to make it better for yourself. Yeah. And so that was our thing is we're taking years of experience and trying to put it into a three-day course. So we cut out, you know, five, eight years of learning for the hunters and hopefully they can take that education, go get one. Yeah. No, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's super important. And just like, it's already, it's already kind of got this cool, like mystique about like, like if you have a YouTube video where someone shoots a wolf, it's just going to like, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, Brian and those guys, like they've got a couple videos where they shoot a wolf and that's like their most viewed ones ever. Um, now probably some of it's like woke antis crying and watching it or something, but, <laughs> but, um, no, but seriously, like, like a lot of people want to kill wolves, but like you're saying, they, there's not really any resources out there and how, and I think also we need to get more hunters like on board with the re the importance of trying to, um, you know, control this population and like almost like change the culture of um like make it even though it is kind of cool already but like it's almost like people are just like oh like it's an accident like i was out hunting something else and oh i yeah. saw a wolf but, but like getting people to like value it enough to like go out for wolves exactly and even like in the hunting community i'll have hunters say to me well i'm a hunter but i'd never shoot a wolf because you don't eat it and that's great, but you have to manage predators. You have to manage everything. Yeah, and I mean, so let's I, just let's just put some good wolf recipes out there. Let's just go for it. I'll make some up. <laughs> <laughs> wolf jerky, come on. <laughs> but no, but I, seriously, I mean, like that. Like I, I'm joking, but at the same time, like that could be like, a, like if you can get people to value the meat, you know, like I, I don't have any problem. I would eat wolf. I mean, I think I, we talked about this last time, and the next wolf I get, I'm sending to you to eat. Okay. Because I won't eat it, but by all means. Oh come on! You're the wolf lady. You gotta, you gotta like, you gotta <laughs> just start eating it. <laughs> what is it? Is it too them. close to a dog that freaks you out, or it's if you when you walk up on a wolf and you smell, oh, yeah. thing, there's no way you're gonna put that in your body. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never done that, but I have walked up on coyotes and they're very smelly. But there's other smelly animals that are good. Um, but anyway, but yeah, no, like. I, I cut you off. You were saying something. Do you, do you no, remember what you were saying? Fine. What was I saying? I, I just I think know. like even in the hunting community, there's just that educational portion of how overpopulated we are on wolves, how they're killing wolves on average. Each wolf eats about 20 big game per year. Whoa. But that's not including all the incidental kills. So they're chasing elk down elk and deer, any ungulate and the elk might get away, but it's exhausted and yeah. ran out of all its nutrients and just ran itself to exhaustion and dies. It's not including the spontaneous abortions of the ungulates where they're chasing a pregnant mom and the mom spontaneously aborts the baby. It's not including, so you think about a domestic dog laying there and say a cat runs by. Mm -hmm. It gets up and it chases it because that's what they do. That's instinct. Same with a wolf. A wolf is laying there and it sees some ungulate run by. It's not hungry. It gets up, chases it, maims it, and realizes like, oh, hey, like, I'm not hungry. And it yeah. walks away. 
And so that's not, we don't include in that 20 big game, all the other ways they're killing For animals. sure. And like, you know, if you ever had chickens, like I've had animals get into my chickens and murder like all of them and like just leave them there. Yeah. So like you got to wonder how often that might happen. A lot. And not to mention now that we're finding wolves are running mountain lions off their kills. Hmm. And so the mountain lions are having to kill again and again because the wolf. And oh. so it's it's causing other predators to kill more, which. Yeah. Weird. It's, it's interesting. It's very multifactorial in how it's yeah. causing destruction. Well, like I said, I love what you guys are doing. Um, I, I'm totally on board. We got to get people excited about hunting wolves and um, and and the reasons why, you know. Um, yeah. So, okay, in a nutshell, and I said it's years of knowledge, and I don't want to, like, make you re- reveal all your secrets so people actually will sign up for your um, your thing, but could you – Give us a little, uh, little uh, intro, like five thousand level view of uh, of how to kill a wolf. How to kill a wolf? Um, <laughs> expect failure for a very long time. Um, go into it respecting the wolf and locate them. Number one, obviously, um, easier said than done. Um, like Are you using said- calls. In that so phase. yeah, all uh, howl. I was howling with my mouth to locate them. I like using for. Me all right, you got to give me a howl. Let's hear it. No, I can't. Come on. No, no, it sounds so bad up close, but it's when it echoes back, which is what I say about um, the Phelps game call. They have a wolf howler out. Okay. And I've started using that because for me, like I'm pretty small, and I just don't have that like lung capacity. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that deep tone of a wolf. And mm-hmm. so that's helped me a ton, actually. Um, you could be like a small hot wolf. <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> and that's, so that's one thing is time of year. So mating yeah. is February, you know, mid-January, okay. kind of through February. That's interesting. That's probably when like the easiest time for them to kill animals too right yeah that's probably why is because there's lots of starving and dead or half dead animals around exactly and it's my favorite time to hunt wolves because they're extremely territorial during that time and extremely vocal and so, it's not during any other hunting season so it's that, and that's kind of how we got into it as well as we were just supplementing <laughs> yeah like our our addiction to hunting we're like what <laughs> yeah. can we do now yep. and it was we started hunting them in the winter and now it's wolves are now priority usually we'll you know we'll do our deer and elk and bear but it's always wolf season in idaho so. oh for sure yeah okay so um so where like i just want to keep plugging this because i really want people to get on board so like where can people go if they want to sign up for your western wolf academy yes western wolf academy you can get a hold of myself um either by email at kate small outdoors at gmail.com or instagram you can message me at kate small outdoors or tom snyder um you can just message stuck in the rut and we are doing it next year 2024 july 11th through the 14th and it is demonstrations and seminars and we have a really cool wolf course where we set up um life-size wolf targets and we put you in scenarios we've all been in so they're Mm -hmm. real life scenarios 
and you have to be ready for it. And we're using air guns. And so you cool. run the course and it, it was a blast. Everybody had such a good time this year. And we, we timed one of them this year and made it a contest. And it was so cool to see people just like, we had them sprint up a hill, bark, uh, to what you bark to stop a wolf that's trying mm. to run away and then shoot. And so that was all timed. What does that sound and like? We teach trapping there as well, because it's, I'm not going to say it's easier to trap a wolf, but the success rate it's is higher. higher. Um, and then, yeah, then we talk, you get mine and Justin's perspective on hunting open country and we prefer winter hunts where tom is hunting more august in thick timbered and we go over different howls and what they mean and how to react to what they're doing and also That's wolf awesome. behavior and patterning them and which is extremely important when you're trying to wow so yeah what? it's it's fun yeah, that's really cool. It's like um, kind of like a specialty you guys are kind of working into. And like you said, um, not many people, there's not that much knowledge out there about it. And it's kind of, um, I think it's just interesting that you guys are able to kind of find that niche and, and kind of like develop that and, and then share it with others. Um, and it's cool. I mean, it's like, I think it's a great way to get like some really good hunters, you know, that are like just straight killers, you know, that yeah. like um, – that want to extend their season or really challenge themselves on something that's like a new challenge. Like, um, they just want that next level kind of thing to, uh, you know, once, once all the, the regular seasons are done, like just challenge yourself, try to go out there and, and do your part to kind of give back to yeah. the deer and elk and, and try to put some time in and get a, get a wolf down. Exactly. And it's, I mean, you brought up elk hunting and stuff and it's, it can be similar. You just have to learn what everything means, which is why the course is so cool. Cause it takes a while to learn. Mm -hmm. You're like, I've heard that how before, what did they do in that situation? And so I don't know how many times we all said, well, like when you're hunting elk and they do a roundup bugle and it's like, it's that how that that's what they're rounding yeah, up sure. their pack. And so it's just, yeah. it's, it's interesting. There are similarities. So if you're an elk hunter, you know, and you have nothing going on during the winter, it's a good, good time to hone in those skills. Hundred percent. All right, give me the bark that stops them. No, I <laughs> come on. I can only do it out there okay. where no one can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then you got to go to the Western Wolf Academy if you want to hear Kate bark. Um, <laughs> so you said. So uh, last thing, you're from Oregon. I'm hunting Oregon this year. I've got to tell you. Are you? Yeah. Where are okay? Let's go over the states you're not hunting this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm very blessed. But yeah, so that's my um, my other trip is uh, is uh, Oregon blacktail because the uh, blacktail is the last like North American deer subspecies that I need to kill for the deer slam or whatever. Yeah. So and I just love deer and I love blacktail and it's, like it's an over the counter hunt and it just and my buddy Luke is from he's from Oregon as okay. well so um so we're gonna tag team on that have you did you do much of that hunting growing up um no i didn't start hunting till later on in life so oh, i was that's right 18. um so i really i only hunted muleys in gotcha oregon um but i'm very interested i want i can't wait to hear about all your hunts we'll have to meet up at the hunt expo and just go over yeah your hunts. Absolutely, I'd be. I'm. I'm already looking forward to the expo just to see, 
see folks again and and um yeah out here you know i don't i don't have many people i can talk to about this stuff you know i'm in virginia so it's always a good time (laughs) um okay cool well we hit a lot of good stuff and um, i usually try to keep it to an hour but um, i don't know anything else uh, you want to mention before we uh sign off here no, I don't think so. Just it was thank you for having me on and it was awesome yeah. catching up with you. 100%. Yeah. Um again, I know I don't want to keep harping on it, but I I really love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. We need to educate people on killing wolves and how to do it and how to do it well and effectively. So guys, definitely check out Kate and her husband Justin on Instagram and um hit them up about the Wolf Academy and and sign up. Uh, I think it's a great great way to hone your skills, become a better hunter and give back to the herds. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. All right.